Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Are you guys ready to dive into the word today? Three of you, great. Are you guys ready to dive into the word today? Hey, thank you for braving the drizzle that's outside. Um, and for everyone who stayed home because it was drizzling outside, uh, welcome online. For those that are watching, uh, wherever you are, we are genuinely honored and excited that you guys are with us today. Uh, we are going to be in Joshua chapter 10 today. And so if you got your scripture, I want to invite you to jump with me to Joshua chapter 10. Uh, I'm excited about today uh, because this is really the last battle scene that we're going to end up seeing in Joshua, or at least for our study of Joshua, and it's a pretty epic battle scene. It, it might even be more epic than Jericho, and I, I got really excited for Jericho, right? Um, and so I'm going to go on and let you know now I'm probably going to yell today, uh, not at you, I'm yelling with you. And so if you get excited, just yell out, preach white boy, and I'm okay with that, all right? Um, but... I am, I am excited, and I believe that through this entire study of Joshua, my hope and my prayer is that your faith has been encouraged and strengthened. I know for me, my faith has been encouraged and strengthened. Um, and my hope is that for our church, uh, for all three locations, that as we walk through this, we're going to continue to see our faith encouraged and strengthened, especially with everything that's going on in the world right now, especially with the things that we see on CNN and Fox News and The Blaze and Politico and um, whatever else is New York Post and Times, the New York Times, you, you guys, y'all are tracking me, right? It's just negativity, negativity, negativity. And then have you been to the gas pump lately? All right, we have a New York State tax holiday, okay? So we're not paying taxes, and we're still paying more than Jersey, okay? And I just don't get it. I, I absolutely don't get it. And so it's just like, all right, God, inflation is coming. I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. $70 to fill up my gas tank. I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. Um, and so as, as the team was leading that song this morning, it just really reminded me uh, of how God is our firm foundation. God is our strength. And that's exactly what we're going to see today in today's text as well. Speaking of God being a God of the impossible, I, I want to challenge you today to remember the family of God that you are a part of. The family of God that you are a part of in, in the context of our history, the context of, of Scripture, the, the context of, of what we see going all the way back to the Old Testament in Genesis where, where God told Abraham to leave and he packed up everything and him and his wife, they ended up leaving and going to an unknown land. And God did the miraculous for Abraham. Or how we see um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Right? And how they were, they were put under um, uh, essentially uh, torture from King Nebuchadnezzar and then sentenced to death because they refused to bow down to the God of King Nebuchadnezzar, to this golden statue. And what happened when they went through the fire? 
The fourth person ended up appearing in the fire, which, which for me is encouraging because that fourth person is a representation of Jesus and how Jesus is going to be with his church when we walk through and when we go through the fire and the storms of life. Or I think about Daniel in the lion's den, right? Have you ever gone face to face or toe to toe with the lion? Neither have I. Okay, And so like Daniel is thrown into the lion's den and he cries out to God and he prays to God. And what does God do? God shuts the mouths of the lions and the king comes in the next day and Daniel is completely untouched. Or I think about Moses and how Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And, and whenever they were going out of Egypt, Pharaoh and his army were coming and chasing them. And they were before the Red Sea with nowhere to go, an army behind them and nothing but but water before them, and God said, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. And when he did, the seas parted, and the entire nation of Israel ended up crossing on dry ground, or Joshua crossing the Jordan River, and how the, the Levites, the priests, carried the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan, and as they walked into the Jordan, the waters ended up receding, or Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, right? In the Battle of Jericho, it was no battle. It was simply, let's just praise the Lord. Let's just worship the Lord, and the walls that were keeping them back from their promises ended up coming down. You know what I I know about the scripture and about where we are today as a church is when it seems impossible, God asks men and women to rise up in radical obedience and to walk out their faith to see the impossible become possible. And I believe today God wants to rise up our faith in the impossible situations in your life, the impossible situations in my life, and you guys know I've had some impossible situations lately, uh, to cry out to God to take a radical step of obedience and to see God move on our behalf. I want to ask you this today as we kind of dive into this. How often do you take steps of faith? How often do you take steps of faith? Actually, let me ask you this. How often does fear keep you from taking steps of faith? How often does fear keep you from taking steps of faith? A few years ago, I went to this Italian restaurant, and um, I like Italian food. I would not admit that three years ago, but I think I'm, you know, it doesn't give me heartburn, all right? And so I like Italian food. Pastor Tom, can I get an amen to that? Amen. Um, it's, it's good. It's, I, I, I like noodles. I, I do. It's carbs. It's pasta. It's, it's comfort food. It satisfies my body. That has nothing to do with the message. The point being, I'm sitting here at this Italian restaurant, and I'm with this other, um, I, not really, he used to be a pastor, but he kind of, he works with a lot of church leaders. And we're sitting there, and we're, we're um, I'm eating my, you know, fettuccine Alfredo linguine or something like that, and and have clams on the side, and I'm just enjoying it, and a shrimp cocktail, and it's, it's really nice, and God's presence is there, a.k.a. carbs. Um, and it was, it was a great time, and in the middle of us talking, this guy, Dale, he, he stops, and he says, Michael, the Lord told me to tell you something. I'm like, all right, well, well what is it? And he said, if you knew that God was going to be 100% for you, and that nothing would stop you, what would keep you from doing what God's called you to do? And I said, well, nothing. I would, I would do it. And he's like, all right, then go do it. Then go do it. And then he said, I've only told that to, to one other pastor in my life. And for whatever reason, God told me to tell that to you. 
Now, that was pre-pandemic. That was pre-me uh, coming into res. That was pre-the uh, uh, building up in Albany. And, and I had no idea that that was kind of a precursor for what God would end up doing in my life and ultimately doing in our church and in, in this ministry. Um, but the thing that, that really stuck out to me was fear. If, if you knew that God would be 100% for you, what are you afraid of? Church, if you knew that God would be 100% for you, what are you afraid of? The impossible situation in front of you? Cryptocurrency crashing? I got my notification. Dogecoin and Bitcoin are down today. I'm not happy about that. My whopping $100 I have in Bitcoin, all right? I have no trust in Bitcoin. But Philcoin, anyways, that's another, that's uh, y'all that know, inside joke, sorry. Or with the stock market, have you thought about the stock market lately? I mean, for some people, the past two years has been really good, and the past two weeks has been really ugly. How was your week? Not the best, right? If that's where your hope is, if that's where your faith is, if that's where your trust is, if that's where your future is, is in the stock market. Or what about another impossible situation that might be in front of you? Maybe it's a health issue that you're facing. Or, or maybe it's a child that is not going uh, the ways of the Lord or the way that you've raised them up to be. Or maybe it's a financial situation. Or, or maybe the car just broke down. Or maybe you're trying to buy a car and you just can't seem to get ahead financially to be able to get a car. What is the impossible situation in front of you? I want to read what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19. He says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so I want you to think about your impossible situation that is sitting in front of you. Maybe it's a family member that's estranged. Maybe it's an addiction that you're trying to kick. Maybe it's, it's a marriage that you're trying to restore. The impossible situation that is looming and mounting over you. What is impossible to you is possible with God. Meaning if you're trying to do it on your own, it's going to be impossible. Just stop trying. But if you could partner with the will of the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to enter in you and to use you and to walk through this challenge, to walk through the fire, to walk through the lion's den, what will seem impossible to man, God will make possible for his glory and for his kingdom. That son that you thought was too far gone, that grandchild that you're concerned about their salvation, I want to remind you what is impossible for you to do, Jesus did. Jesus did. And we need to be reminded of this. And so with that said, let me just jump straight into Joshua chapter 10. I set up a little bit of the context right here. In Joshua chapter 9, um, uh, the Israelites ended up essentially making a, a peace treaty uh, with Gibeon. And, and so Gibeon recognized that, okay, they're, they're, uh, they're coming in the name of the Lord. We're going to recognize the, the name of the Lord. And so they kind of make this peace treaty, peace treaty with Israel. And then we see in chapter 10 another war or another battle is about to break out. And I'm going to go on and say this now before I dive into this text. I'm not going to pronounce half of these words correctly, okay? And so if you're judging me, email Santi. That's all I have to say. And um, just bear with me, all right? I'd like to see you pronounce them. As soon as Adonai, I got that right, 
Got that right? As soon as Adonai Zedek, I don't know if I got that right, all right, but I got Adonai right. As soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to the destruction doing to Ai um, and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all of its men were warriors. So Adonai Ziki, king of Jerusalem, said to Hohan, king of heaven, and Piram, king of that, to uh, Jephiah, am I getting this right, Santi? King, almost, king of that word, and to Debir, king of Eglin, I should probably listen to the Bible app a few times before I get up here, so y'all don't judge me. This is a judgment-free zone, unlike Planet Fitness. Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon, for he, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. And the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, and the king of Jarmuth, and the king of uh, Lashus, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces, and they went up with their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war with them, or against them. And so here you have the Israelites that have made a peace treaty with Gibeon. And then you have uh, Adonai Ziki, which is the king of Jerusalem at the time, who says, well, hold on. These people are coming in and, and we want to protect our land. So let's gather the other kingdoms around us and let's make a treaty right here. Now, a little bit of geography just for a second. So bear with me because I like geography. I don't know why. Um, the, this whole area right here was only about a 50-mile radius, okay? And so we hear of all of these kingdoms. It's really just small cities that had a self-proclaimed king in there, and they ended up making a treaty with Adonai Ziki, the king of uh, Jerusalem. But something that I think is interesting is Adonai is a name for God. Adonai, meaning Lord, and uh, Zedek is translated into Righteousness. And, and so I think it's interesting because anytime a counterfeit tries to go up into the way of God, God will end up correcting that. So here you have the Lord of Righteousness, who is the king of Jerusalem at the time, right? And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm the righteous one. I'm the righteous one. And so he gathers together these five armies right here, and they create this peace treaty um, against, against Joshua and against Gibeon. And they start going at war. And so the five armies end up surrounding Gibeon. Now, could you just think about this for just a moment? Because Joshua has never gone up against multiple armies. He's only gone up against one army, right? One army at a time. First, it was Jericho. He ended up going up against them. And then it was Ai, ended up going up against them. And then a few smaller battles here and there. He ended up going up against the smaller battles. But it was never five armies going at them at once. And what happened with Gibeon was fear started falling on them. Fear started falling. Do you, do you know what fear, do you know how to spell fear? Or do you know what fear spells? False expectations appearing real. False expectations appearing real. How often does fear cripple you from doing what God's assigned to you? 
How often does fear cripple you from taking a step of faith and obedience to what it is that God has called you to do? How often? Do you know what the Bible says about fear? 2 Timothy 1.7 For I have not given you a spirit of fear. See, we, we equate it to, oh, it's just my emotions. I'm fearful. No, the Bible says fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit from hell that is trying to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. And some of us are so afraid. We're so anxiety ridden. We're so filled with fear of the big what if. Can I just remind you that God has not given you that spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. And, and so I want to challenge all of us that whenever we feel that fear come upon us to just start thinking and focusing and praising God and allow that spirit of fear that, that comes up to be pushed out by the goodness of God, by the holiness of God, by the love of God. And, and so, so here you have, you have Gibeon and you've got Joshua and the Israelites and then you've got Jerusalem and their four other kingdoms that are making up and it essentially just I mean, very modern day, you've got Russia in their treaties, and you've got NATO in their treaties, and we're seeing all of this play out, very different uh, scale, but just to kind of give you some, some, some context of, of what's going on. And then jump with me to verse 6. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgag, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the king of the Amorites who dwells in the hills of the country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgag, he and all the people of war with him, and the mighty men of valor. Mighty men of valor. I love that. Verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And so Joshua came up suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgag. Now, uh, one thing that I think that's interesting that I just want to point out real quick um, is this is the response of the Lord. Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Past tense. We'll get to that in just a second. Three things that you see take place right here. Number one is there's a call for help. There's a call for help. The Gibeonites, they were sitting there, and they've got five armies uh, you know, coming upon them, and Joshua and his men, they're down in Gilgag, and, and they're, they're like, all right, we, we need some help. We need some help. So there was a call that went up for help. The second thing we see is the people of God responded. You, you catching with me? The people of God responded to the call of help. And when the people of God responded to the call of help, God spoke and gave instruction. And not only did God speak, God spoke in past tense because it's already been done. Let me kind of illustrate this for you for just a little bit. The church, can I get a little preachy? Get a little preachy? All right. The church is not called to be a country club. The church is not called to be Planet Fitness. I don't know why I'm bashing Planet Fitness right now. My wife works out at Planet Fitness, but I go there and they're just like, lemon water. Oh, you know, like I've been there one time. All right. And so I, I don't want the buzzer going off if I'm like 
you know, grunting as I lift a, you know, 5,000 pound weight or something like that, but, which would never happen, but, <laughs> but there was a call for help and the people of God responded. I, I think far too often what we're seeing in our American culture is we've got a world around us who is screaming and crying out for help and the church is sitting over here twiddling their thumbs playing golf or putt-putt in their little country club that they call a church. And I just want to throw this out there. It's just a building with a nice, pretty little steeple. And God is saying, no, I've called a church to rise up, to be militant, to be powerful, to walk in my authority, and to enter into the fray of the world because the world needs help. The world needs help. He even, even, and, and this was not in my notes, and so you guys just bear with me. He, he says to Joshua, do not relax your hand from your servant. Come up to us quickly and save us. Save us. Help us. Help us, because if not, we're going to get defeated. And Joshua's response was, well, we're really just enjoying our country club over here at Gilgag right now. And you know, Aaron's over there, and he's just living life over there, and, and, you know, Tim's over there, and we're just having a good old time. We're about to go play some poker and just have a good old No! His response was, let's enter into the mess. And when the people of God responded and entered into the mess, God sent a message from heaven saying, no one is going to be able to stand before you. It's already been taken care of. Let me put it on this side of the cross. Whenever we enter into the mess and we're walking through the storms, we're walking through the challenges, we're walking through the battles that we face in our own life, we need to be reminded of what Jesus said on the cross that is now past tense. It is finished. And no matter what comes against us, what throws at us, what comes and, and plays ball with us, it's already finished. Jesus has already won because we know how the story's going to end. We need to be reminded of the goodness and of the faithfulness of God. Church, we need to be reminded that we need to enter into the fray and that God's going to take care of it. That God is going to take care of the problems that we will face. There's this saying out there that God can't move a parked car, all right? Now, theologically, it's incorrect, but I get the premise of it. Because God can do whatever he wants because he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's sovereign. So if he wants to move a parked car, he can just make that thing fly across the world, all right? And so, um, but with the premises of this is God is waiting for us to take a step. And if you don't know what direction you're supposed to be headed, why don't you head in a direction that's going to give God the highest praise? God wants us to just take a step. Take a, take a step and enter into the mess and give him the highest praise. This is why we have orphanages right now. That wasn't the world's ideas. That was the church's ideas. Because in first century Rome, what was happening is a Roman would end up having a child, and if they didn't like the sex of the child, they would literally set the baby out by the river and let the the, the wolves and the dogs come and kill that baby because they didn't like the sex or the makeup or the, the color or whatever it may be of that particular child or there was a disability. Do you know who stepped into that? The church. The church. What's going on today? What's going on today? You know who needs to enter into the conversation? The church. The church. 
More on that next week. Another thing. How many of you guys have ever been to a hospital? Three people? Four of you? All right, some of y'all? All right, there we go. Lift up those hands, loud and proud and, and high and proud or whatever. You know, some of y'all got two hands. Do you know who started hospitals? The church. It wasn't the government's idea. It was the church's idea. It was the church's idea. How, how about this? Education. How many of you guys went to school? How many of y'all are currently in school? Someone said three or four. <laughs> Some of y'all are currently in school. Do you know who said education needs to be available for all people? The church. Do you know these Ivy League schools that we've got in America, like, I don't know, Yale and Harvard, do you know who started them? The church. Why? Because the church always enters into a space where there is brokenness, where there is inequality, where there is people hurting and mourning, where there is people fearful and scared and said, because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to enter into your mess and we're going to be able to find a better path for you that brings the highest praise and the highest glory to God. I wonder if there's anyone that's willing to say, I'm, I'm ready to be the church. I'm ready to be the church and I'm ready to rise up for righteousness and for justice and to enter into the fray, to enter into the mess, to be able to give God glory and see his kingdom advance here on this earth. He, he continues on in, in verse eight. And the Lord said to Joshua, or let me, let me, sorry, let me jump back. Actually, let me just jump forward. Jump with me to verse 10. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel. So Joshua ends up going. They travel roughly 25 miles at night. They end up getting to this battle scene right here. And, and, the, and it says this, And the Lord threw them into panic before Israel, meaning the other armies, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the uh, accidents of Beth Horon and who had struck them as far as Akiza and Makeda. Verse 11, And as they fled before Israel... While they were going down the uh, ascent of Beth Horam, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and they died. Now, just catch, catch me, hear me out. There were more who died because of the hell stones than of the sons of Israel who actually killed them with swords. Okay, Andrew, you can come up now and make it spiritual. Here's, here's what I'm saying. So Joshua and his army, they, they get to this battle scene, and they're marching all night. They're probably exhausted. They're probably tired. And they've got five other armies. And right now, Gibeon is being ransacked. They're being, you know, they're, they're being beat down because it's one army, verse 5. And so, so Joshua and the Israelites, they end up showing up on the scene because they responded to the call and because God spoke to them. And whenever they show up on the scene, God allows chaos to start taking place within all the other five armies. And then they start running, right? They start running, and as they're running, God allows hailstones to start falling from heaven, and more people died from the hailstones than they died at the sword of any of the Israelites, which I think is pretty awesome because God can do a whole lot more than you can. Now, 
I'm not saying that God's going to go out and, and kill everyone that was old covenant, and we're going to talk and address that next week of what that looks like in, in light of the new covenant today. So come back next week for Father's Day. By the way, Bishop's going to be preaching next week, so y'all get excited. Um, so, but, and he's going to be talking about that. But God can do more in a moment's notice than you can in your entire life. Like the healing you've been praying for, that you've been going to the doctors, you've been saying, hey, here's the battle in front of me. Here's what's going on. All God has to do is just say, be healed. And you're healed. The financial breakthrough that you're believing for, that you're praying for, God, I just need it. I need it. And you guys, I shared what we were going through up in Albany a few weeks ago. And I'm telling you, at a moment's notice, God can just be like, and it's done. The battles that you're facing in your life, the challenges that you're facing in your life, the mountains that you feel like you constantly have to climb, the addiction that is crippling you and grabbing a hold of your body and just holding you back that you feel like you can't break free from. All God has to do is say, be healed, and it's gone. But I also believe it requires the church to be obedient and to take a step. Because it wasn't until Joshua and his army marched 25 miles at night that God started answering their prayer. And God wiped out more people with hail than they did with a sword. It continues on, though. Verses 12 through 15 is wrapping up. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord. In the day when the Lord had given the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasper? That sun stopped in the midst of the heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day? There has not been no day like this before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of man for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and all of Israel with him to the camp at Gilgad. Now we read over this really quick. We might not think a whole lot of it. But I want you to just think about a ridiculous prayer that Joshua had right here. They're winning. They're winning. The army's starting to retreat. But God said, no one's going to stand before you. And there's still people still standing. There's the enemies that are still out there, and they're trying to get away. But God said, it's all going to be taken care of. But there's the debt that's still piling up. There's the family that's still arguing over here. But God said, as for me and my house, we shall all serve the Lord. And I've got the grandchild over here who's addicted to cocaine or addicted to heroin. And over here, I'm, I'm battling with this. And like, God, I, I, just, I just don't know. And what is Joshua's response? We're, we're getting there, but the enemy's still out there. Joshua's response was, hey, son, stand still. And God did the impossible. God did the impossible. And the sun stopped and the moon stopped so that Joshua could continue to do and fulfill what God had already promised for him to do. Now, let me talk with you for just a moment. Kind of 
illustrate this. How many of you guys ride the subway at least once a week? Some of us. How many of you guys have ever gotten to the point where you've got the, the free subway rides? Me? Anyone? I've tried. I've tried. I'm just not quite there. There was one time I scanned it like 32 times, but then I found out if you, you do multiple people with one card, they still charge you. And so I'm like, I just paid $70 for the subway in like three days. What on earth is going on? And then I read the fine print that you have to be like 15 minutes between each swipe. And so next time I'm going to be like, boop, you got to wait here for 15 minutes, bro. But here's my car. I, I'll, I'll meet you at the cab market later, you know. Um, but the subway, sometimes you hear, mind the gap, right? Or Amtrak. If you've ever taken Amtrak or the Long Island Railroad, you've probably heard whenever they pull up to a stop, mind the gap. Mind the gap. See, our lives are like the subway car or like the train car. We're moving forward. We're going in a direction. And then we get to a station that God wants us at, but there's a gap in between where we are and where God wants us to be. And what we do in that gap is gonna determine whether we get off where God wants us to or we keep going down our own path. Mind the gap. It's in the gap that the decisions are made. It's in the gap where fear ends up falling upon us. It's in the gap where there's a lot of uncertainty. It's in the gap where we feel like we are crippled and we can't make a decision. And, and we've heard this saying, just leap of faith, right? Indiana Jones, leap of faith. Could I just argue that for a minute and say, let's not leap in faith. Let's just take a step in faith. Let's just take a small baby step in faith and trust God. God, I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know the destination, but I'm gonna take a step out into the gap for you to get me to the destination that you are wanting and desiring to bring me. But you know what? Obedience, it requires great faith. And great faith comes from bold prayers, comes from bold worship, comes from scripture. What we keep coming back to every week, prayer Worship scripture. Prayer, worship, scripture. Will you stand to your feet with me this morning? I want to ask you a few questions as we wrap up. Number one, what are you doing in your gap? What are you doing in your gap? You're not where you want to be, and maybe you're at a sun standstill moment and you need God to move. Are you willing to cry out and to pray bold prayers? For God to move? God, I need you to move right now. God, I need you to transform my family. God, I need you to help me get out of debt. God, I need you to help heal me. God, I need you to move. Could I challenge you that maybe we need to pray some bold, crazy prayers the way Joshua did and believe that God is gonna do what he said he's gonna do? The, the other thing I wanna challenge you with is Back to prayer. What are you praying for? What are you praying? And listen, I was there two, three weeks ago where all the anxiety, all the fear was coming in and crippling. Do you know what got me free of that? Surrendering it to the Lord. 
surrendering it to the Lord. And whenever I stepped out and I said, I'm not going to do it in my own will. God, you got to do this. I, I am done. Then God's like, hey, bro, um, I got this. Got my answer a day later. That's the power of God. But so many of us are trying to do it in our own strength. So many of us are trying to take on our own sin in our own strength. So many of us are trying to heal our own marriage in our own strength. So many of us are trying to walk in holiness in our own strength. You know what that is? That's called legalism. See, God doesn't want you to do it in your own strength. He wants you to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that comes whenever we surrender our lives, surrender our desires, surrender our wills, surrender our sins, surrender our dreams, surrender our promises to God and say, God, I can't do it anymore. I need the sun to stand still. And you know what? The sun did stand still on Golgotha. Whenever we couldn't amount for our sin, whenever we couldn't amount for a way to make our lives righteous, whenever we couldn't obtain eternal life on our own, our own standard, God did the unthinkable, the impossible. He sent Jesus to be the gap for us. And with his arms stretched out, he cried out, it is finished. And with that breath, he breathed out his soul in a passage from our sinful nature into the abundant life was made through our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the greatest sun stand still moment in all of history. And so many of us look straight at that cross, straight at the miracle that ended up taking place, straight at the blood that was poured out, straight at the, 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 the sin that was absorbed upon Jesus and how his blood washes us clean and we try to pick up our own cross and do it in our own way and try to live this legalist life and, and, and try to fix our own marriage and try to get our own self out of debt and try to heal our own body and try to do all of this. And meanwhile, Jesus is up there with his arms stretched out and he's saying, son and daughter, I love you and I'm doing this. I did this for you. Will you please just take my blood? Whenever you're in that gap, will you just lean on Jesus and trust him. I, I gotta, I just gotta, bear with me for one more minute, guys. I don't know what you're going through today, but I just feel the presence of God right now. And for some of us, maybe you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. For some of us, maybe you've been living your life, you've been trying to do things on your own way and there's something going on inside you, your heart's racing a little bit and you've got that weird feeling in your stomach like you just got pulled over, right? Can I just say that that's the Holy Spirit? And for some of us, we need to just take a step of faith. We just need to, I, I don't know what to do. Well, let's, let's just take a step of faith corporately together. Let, let's just say, God, I, I don't know what to do. So I want to make a decision right now in the gap, in the middle, that's going to give you the highest praise, that's going to give you the highest adoration. 
and I don't know the direction that I'm going. And you know what's great about the goodness of God is if you're going the wrong direction, but you're trying to follow his righteousness and his holiness, and you're living by the Spirit, he will bring correction to get you back on that path. And maybe that's where you are right now. You're saying, I, I, I just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk, I'm just gonna walk like a blind man. I, I don't know where I'm going. Man, let the Holy Spirit come upon you and direct you and guide you, get you back on that path. And for some of us, you've been through the hell, you've been through the challenges, you've been through the battle, and I just want to say to you that we need you. We need you to encourage the saints, to edify the saints, and to be the fathers and the mothers and the brothers and the sisters around us, that whenever our family members in the faith are struggling and in battle, and you link arms with them, and you say, you're down right now, but brother, I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to carry you, and we're going to walk through this fire and through this storm together. Why? Because if God is for you, what is there to be afraid of? What is there to be afraid of? I don't know where you are but today my challenge is for you to take a step for you to take a step and I'm going to pray in just a minute and the prayer team is going to be available and and we're going to go a little Pentecostal if that's cool but if you need prayer if you need to say yes to Jesus today if you need to rededicate your life if you need healing in your body if you need a brother or a sister or a mother or father to just link arms with you and to lift you up today and say I have been beat down right now and I need some faith I need some hope this is what the church is for we enter into the mess which means your mess and my mess let's pray Father I just thank you God I thank you for your Holiness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace, God. And I just ask right now that the spirit of the living God will just fall in this place, Father. That your fire will fall in this place. That your love will just fall in this place. That repentance will fall in this place. That encouragement will fall in this place. And that the impossible situations in front of us, the things that feel like we are never going to be able to get out of, God, we just speak to those and we say what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so, Father, we declare healing in this place. We declare freedom in this place. We declare marriages to be restored in this place. We declare salvation in this place. Father, for everyone who's watching home online right now, we just speak to wherever they are watching, saying that you are going to meet their needs and that your spirit is going to move and breathe. In Jesus' precious, holy, and powerful name. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.